welcome, welcome, welcome. What a wonderful Wednesday. You are in the right place at the right time for the Cold Calling Podcast, Season 2, Episode 15. Woo, buckle up. You're in for a treat. Now, hey, I'm Larry Long Jr. I'm your host. I'm also the CEO, Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. As you can see, I'm repping my Monster Connect. The Cold Calling Podcast is powered by Monster Connect. Rawr! Remember, they're leveraging technology and human resources to help you, yes, you, have more conversations. If you're in SaaS sales and you want to speak to decision makers, you don't want to keep getting those voicemails. You want 8 to 12 conversations with decision makers. Make sure to check out Monster Connect. Now, quick reminder, the Cold Calling Podcast. We're here for you. Our goal is to help you take your respective game. We're going to meet you wherever you're at. We want to take you to that next level. So you come to the right place. I'm honored. I'm humbled. And I'm privileged to welcome today's guest. Oh, she is absolutely amazing. I had the honor. I think the first time that we met in person was Flip the Script out in, I want to say it was in San Francisco, it was the finale circa 2021. Now we got to meet again in Dallas for Flip the Script 2022. She is coming in live from where I was last week, Tucson, Arizona. She's a world-renowned sales professional, sales leader, sales coach, sales mentor, sales guru. She's a woman in sales top advocate. She's also the author of She Sells. She's also, the list goes on and on. I don't know how long y'all have, but she's also a multiple-time sales force, top sales influencer. I ask you to please put your hands together and let's give a warm cold calling podcast welcome to the great Lori Richardson. Wow, what an intro, Larry. You deserve it. You deserve it. What an amazing person you are. And Lori, I got to give you your flowers right now because the work that you've done and the work that you continue to do is having a major positive impact on women in sales. And I got to represent and say for men in sales, raising the awareness, allowing us and providing us with the resources as well as the tools we need to be allies to support. I can't thank you enough for joining. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here, Larry, for sure. So great to talk to you. Wow. The feeling is mutual. And uh, hold on. You know, I got props out the wazoo. I have got to say nothing but love, Lori. Nothing but love. Now, I like to get started with what I call the who, the what, and the why. Our listeners, our viewers, both live and recorded, they want to know who is Lori Richardson. What does Lori Richardson do? Out of all the things that we listed, what are you all about? And why do you do it? Sure. Sure. Well, I am a person who loves to help people. I think that that's what salespeople truly are. Uh, in my heart, I'm a sales professional forever. I, I did it as a job for about 12, 13 years. I started in tech. I started in pretty much going from 
small accounts to enterprise accounts kind of overnight. Didn't really know that enterprise accounts were a big deal, you know, just kind of got put onto a couple and really had them turn into something. And, you know, I just, I love sales because the profession of selling is a game changer for people that go into it, particularly tech sales or anything where, where you have unlimited income potential. When you represent products and services that you're proud of, that you believe in, and when you work for people who are ethical and who, you know, can teach you things, there, there's no better career, in my opinion. Wow. Now, I'm curious, where did that kind of um, that, that modus operandi of helping people, where did that come from? Have, have you had that your entire life? Yeah. I wanted to be a teacher when I, when I was young and I did a lot of entrepreneurial things. Like I had a, I had the lemonade stand. I, I made Christmas ornaments. I, I sold Girl Scout cookies. I used, I was just telling somebody this morning that I, I used to do a, a Jerry Lewis telethon fundraiser, you know, in our, in, in, we raised money for mus to fight muscular dystrophy and, I don't know where I got that from. Uh, my dad was a pharmacist for 55 years and my mom was a home, uh, a homemaker. Uh, but I just, I, I worked for my grandmother when I got a little older and my grandmother had a women's apparel store, a high end, you know, top notch women's apparel store. And I really learned to sell from her. And I think between that and wanting to be a teacher and help people, you know, it was a natural that I ended up being in training and coaching and helping people improve in their selling skills. Uh, I love it. And I want to dig in a little bit more to your journey, but first things first, I call this spill the tea. And for me, I'm in North Carolina, so it's sweet tea, but, but I, I did a little bit of research, a little bit of digging cheers. And I understand that there's some sort of tie in to ice hockey. Did, did you play in the NHL? What's your, your, your connection to ice hockey? Yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> no, my, uh, I, I have a, a son who went to, uh, he got a prep school education on a scholarship wow. and he got a scholarship to play division one college hockey in Boston. And he ended up playing professionally after that. Now he's a college hockey coach. So, um, yeah, hockey was something we both stumbled into because basically I just had to keep him busy when he was young because he was super active. When he was about seven or eight, I missed the, the deadline to sign him up for soccer. It was a total fluke. Some stranger I didn't know said, you should get him into ice hockey. And I said, I don't want him to lose his teeth. And she said, just go there. Just take him. Just, you know, very good selling skills for me. And I took him to a hockey rink and he looked out at all the kids skating and he said, that's what I want to do. And he was about eight, which is very old to be starting a youth sport, especially hockey. People put their kids out before they can walk practically. <laughs> they can barely walk. They shove them out there. And he pushed a metal chair around at eight years old, you know, learning how to play hockey. And 
And, um, you know, it ended up being his chosen career. He was good at baseball. He ended up being quarterback of football team, but, but he loved hockey and that's, that's his chosen sport that he continues as a grown man to, uh, to be involved in. Wow. I love to hear that. And you, you said my sport, baseball, hockey, my son, we, we had those early mornings trying to find ice time. It was a little bit too cold for my bones. And Lori, I'll never forget. I'm in the rink and there's folks wearing flip flops and, and, uh, shorts Shorts. and t-shirts i'm in there bundled up i got on my toboggan my winter cap i'm bundled they're looking at me like i'm crazy i'm looking at them like they're crazy i said one of us is crazy i guess it's me i said trey (laughs) don't you want to play a warm weather sport like baseball or soccer Hey, I should have I should have known you back then. I could have gotten out of all those cold ice arenas I've been in, and all those states that start with M that are cold. <laughs> That's a vacation. <laughs> oh, Steve was giving props to uh, to Boston, great hockey town, and yeah. it looked like he's a LA Kings fan. Who's your favorite team, Lori? Seattle Kraken. Seattle has a new team. That's my hometown. And uh, finally, we were way ahead of our time in Seattle. There there were hardly any ice rinks back when my son played. Um, but now it's really, it's, it's a very amazing place. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, who's the G? Do you know who the GM is of the Kraken? I, I'm not sure who the GM is. Um, I don't know. Okay. For, I think he's a former player. Uh, oh, the name is going to come to me when I least expect it. I used to work yeah. with his son, Ron Francis. I used to work oh, with yeah, his Ron son, Francis, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike yeah. Francis. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. That is correct. Oh, that's awesome. Now, Lori, I'm curious. Are you open to sharing your journey, really your journey to success? How did you have success in sales? And just share for folks, what were some of the challenges that you faced and that you had to overcome on your path to having success in sales? Yeah, I have shared this recently on LinkedIn. If anybody wants like the bullet points, they can, I I won't go through the whole thing, but um, feel free to check it out on my LinkedIn um, um, page. And it's just a few, it was, I think it was last week that I posted and it really went viral. It might've been two weeks ago. And the story for me is that I I was a young single mom. I I got married at 18, divorced at 19. I had this little baby and I wanted to be a teacher. And so I, I actually had my degree by at that point, I had my associate's degree at 18 because I left high school early and I, um, I became a teacher with young children, but I couldn't afford to, you know, we, we just couldn't afford it. It was a very low paying job. And we've all heard about that during the pandemic. We heard about how horrible it is for people with young, working with young kids. It's a minimum wage role, which, and it's ridiculous because it's such an important career. Um, But I wanted to make money and I wanted to make money that my male colleagues made. So I went through this non-traditional program for women and the guy came in and talked about technology. And I thought, maybe I could sell technology because I grew up working for my grandmother. So that's, that's how I started, Larry. That's how I I put two and two together. And then I just started in the early days of tech when, when software was in a box 
and uh, when computers had hardly any uh, um, hard drive space. But that's what I sold computers for for the first bunch of years that I got in. Wow, wow. And then you went from selling to how, how do you end up coaching, mentoring, supporting, lifting up women yeah. in sales and helping sales organizations? How does that happen? Yeah, so I sold. I, I loved what I did. I, I worked, like I said, I worked with a lot of enterprise sized companies, like little airplane company based in Seattle and some big banks. And um, I, I love what I did. And in my last corporate job, which was then in Boston, because of course I moved to watch my sons, uh, I, I sold my house and moved so that I could watch my son's college career in hockey like everybody does that. Right. And, <laughs> and so I got a job to keep me busy in between games basically. And, and it was a great tech, it was a great tech sales job. I, I ended up building an inside sales team and I ended up running a corporate university for the startup. And then the startup was eventually sold to a bigger company. And at that point I thought, you know, I can do that. I, I want to help other companies grow revenue. And, and that's how I ended up launching my business way back then. And it's funny that this is a cold calling podcast because the first name of my company was Smile and Dial Sales Generation Services. So I had smileanddial.com for a long time. I don't have that domain anymore. I should have kept it. Uh, it was great, but, um, but I rebranded uh, later on. And I just worked to help companies grow revenues. And, and, and I got into helping women when I kept consulting for companies and I'd go into train and the whole audience was men, all the reps, most, all the managers. And I just thought, you know, where are the women? You know, it was, it, it felt like the eighties, Larry. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now I am curious because you, you've got a, uh, you've got a tight pulse to what's going on. And real quick, I want to encourage everyone, please connect with Lori. You can see her LinkedIn score more sales. Please check out her post where she shares her journey. Lori, I'm, I'm curious because you've seen it over the years. This is a two part question. What advances, what are some of the best and biggest advances that you've seen with women in sales? And on the flip side, where are those opportunity areas for improvement that we're just lagging on? I know that you talked about your observation of where are the women at? Have yeah. times changed for the positive? Or I want you to keep it real. Where are we at right now? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, Larry. I thank you for asking it because there have been some great advances there. When I started Women's Sales Pros, there were no other groups or organizations or communities and now, you know, my friend Cynthia Barnes, right, in North, in North Carolina, you know, um, there Alexine Moudoir with Women in Sales. There is Sisters in Sales with Chantel George. There are all sorts of groups and communities for women. And so women can get really good support on, you know, being in a male majority profession. It, it, if your company isn't helping you there at least are some outside resources and there's more than that. There's a whole list of them that I have on, on our blog at womensalespros.com. And I would just say that unfortunately we lost a lot of women during the pandemic and it hasn't totally bounced back. So I'm hopeful, you know, the, the day I'll be happy, Larry, is when half of the sales team is female 
and um, half of our leaders are female because women can be great at selling. Women can be great leaders. I don't believe everyone is made for selling. And, and I think leadership is a very special role as well. So I'm not saying every woman can do it just like every man is not good in sales or cut out for leadership. So I just like to see more people looking and, and broadening their reach and looking in different places and getting other referrals and not just the same old um, people and, and places that we look at so that we can um, spread out the what sales really looks like. Sales should look like who our buyers are, Larry. And for the longest time, it hasn't. So as, um, as things move forward going into 2024, I'm really looking forward to it not being an issue. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? I'd love to not have to do women's sales pros because it would just be sales pros. But until we have more women in, in roles in almost every industry in selling, um, I'm going to keep doing it. I love it. I love it. And I appreciate you sharing that. And I hope you know you have my support. You have our support as we yeah. drive to 50%. And we're in sales. So we know about targets. 50% yeah. of sellers, 50% of leaders should be looking exactly like our buyers, women. Yeah. And I say, I don't want it all, Larry. I just want half. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you. Why not take it all? Shoot, you deserve yeah. it. <laughs> now, now I'm curious. I'm, I, I, I might as well be called a cat because I got curiosity out the wazoo. What unique perspectives, what unique qualities do women bring to the table as sellers as well as leaders within sales orgs? Well, you know, I talk a lot about diversity and inclusion and diversity of all sorts is important. I mean, age, age is an important differentiator, um, race, ethnicity, background, that we all have diversity of thought. And when you bring people together like that, all of a sudden you have more elegant solutions to problems and sales is helping people solve problems as we know. So if everybody thinks the same way, we're not going to be able to help the buyers like we should. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm a proponent of, of having inclusive sales teams like that, because we can better help our customers. We actually grow profits for our company. And, um, you know, it's, it's a win all the way around. And if you're like me, where you were a woman that was nearly in poverty and, and I, I didn't have it as bad as a lot of people, but I was making minimum wage supporting a family. Uh, I would have never been able to buy a house at 27. I would have never been able to get my son into an expensive sport, sport like hockey. And it's a game changer career for women or men if they're a single parent um, to be able to have this career where suddenly you're in six figures and you're able to, to have stability and to be able to you know, buy things that support your family. It, it's, it's a game changer career. So um, yeah. So everybody should be given the opportunity. That's right. That's right, Steve. Good point. And, and we appreciate all the efforts that you continue to go through to really change lives, generational wealth, generational yeah. opportunity. It's one of those where 
It's tough to be what you can't see. It's not impossible, but it's very right. tough. And believe yeah. you me, I, I know exactly from a racial perspective of, uh, are there any others? Am I the only? Are there yeah. any others out there? And some of the unique challenges, I love that you've created space and you've created community, connection, support, and you're supporting the other communities as well. I always see you lifting up Alexine, Cynthia Barnes, Chantel, and Sisters in Sales. That is absolutely heartwarming, and yeah. it's a great example. You're a role model, whether you know that or not, Lori. Well, thank you, Larry. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Now, I, I know that you had mentioned, I love it, Smile and Dial Sales Generation Services. And right. I, I got to pull out pull out my banana phone. This was courtesy of Beck Holland. She let me borrow it. I'm, I'm oh, gonna I love to, that. I'm going to have to go to France to give it back to her. But I'm curious, uh, in the world of cold calling, do you yeah. have any specific tips, tricks, or techniques that you found to be successful when we're smiling and we're dialing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I've probably, I, I wish I kept track of how many cold calls I've made over my, my career, but I've made thousands of them. And, you know, the people on the other side are just people you don't know yet. It's, it's not about talking to strangers. It's, they're people you haven't gotten to know. And, and it can be a tough, tough job um, when you do have to make calls out I know that younger people are not as happy to do that. Um, we grew up with telephones, so it's it's different. I think there's a different perspective. But I, I would just say that if you can, you know, if you have the opportunity to warm a call up through LinkedIn or some other way, that's that's very helpful. And if you can learn to build a referral network, that can be really helpful too. Um, but just picking up the phone, I, I posted um, a, a week or two ago on somebody's, I, I think it was, might have been Samantha McKenna's or somebody's post that I bought something through a cold, through cold outreach recently. And I sold something through cold outreach in, in the same day. And it, it, it does work. It still works. It's just a matter of, you know, being persistent and what do we say? Pleasantly persistent, I guess is the phrase. Uh, but being, you know, just knowing that it's not a waste of time. And even if you leave a message and and you've helped brand yourself, you, you've helped let people know it because it can take a number of touches before someone is willing to talk with you or when they think about it. I, and I know I keep track of that as well, that when someone follows up with me multiple times, it, it's, you know, oh, you know, I better talk to that person. And if if I can help them or if they can help me, you know, I'm all ears. So it, it's really important to to remember that this is an important channel for connection. Oh, that is awesome. And it ties into what you shared to start off with your love for helping people being pleasantly, politely persistent and being determined to help and serve folks. I love leaving a voicemail, branding yourself. And speaking of brand, making sure that you have a referral, you have those relationships in your network to help you warm those ice cold calls up. That's right. 
think of those hockey arenas, Larry. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Now, I would like to know, because in the world of cold calls, similar to the world of baseball, and we've got the World Series about the rap, yeah. there's a lot of, reje- lot of rejection. There's a lot yeah. of strikeouts. Strike three, yeah. you're out of here. Yeah. How do you handle rejection? What advice do you give to others that when you're faced with rejection and it's one of those times where you're just getting beat up and it's like everywhere I turn, I just, I'm getting knocked out. How do you recommend that people handle that? And how do you handle that? Yeah, well, we have two types of beliefs in our head, Larry. We have supportive beliefs that lead us forward to our goals and we have self-limiting beliefs. Now, most of us, if you're human, you have probably 70% of those thoughts that we have in our head are negative or self-limiting. Oh, I know I can't do that. Oh, it's Monday. You know, many of us have those self-limiting beliefs. But when you can recognize that, that you just thought something in your head that's negative, especially if you're making calls or if you're playing sports or if you're a ballet dancer or whatever it is, um, if you catch yourself that, you know, that that doesn't support me to my goals. You say something in your head, acknowledge it because it's not always going to go away, but acknowledge it and say, how can I how can I turn that idea into something that's going to support me to my goals? If my goal is to have a great conversation with a buyer today um, saying in my head, oh, it's going to be a long day. It's never going to work. You know, all these doom and gloom things that we say, just catch yourself and flip it. Flip it to something more supportive and and support yourself to your goals. It, it's like a home team and an away team using our sports analogy. You know, you, you always cheer the home team on. You don't boo your home team players. Uh, they get booed when they're on the road. And so let's support ourselves first before we do anything. If you do that, you can be successful in selling. Wow. <clears throat> that That is great perspective. In the words of the great philosopher Chris, I think ludicrous, move, get out your own way because you're self-limiting yourself when you want to be supporting yourself. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, it's tough. Very yeah. tough to do. Right. But if you're if you're able to do it, ooh, success is on the way, I, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I've worked with people who had three bad calls in one day, three bad conversations. I know a guy quit his job that day because he said, I can't take it. You know, I was expecting an opportunity. Instead, I got shut down time after time. I quit. And um, recently I got together with some folks that I worked with in that first sales job 35 some years ago, Larry. And we all remembered this one guy who was a firefighter. He was a former firefighter. He came in, got a sales job, and he ended up quitting. He said, you know, I've pulled charred bodies out of buildings. I've never done anything harder than sales. And he quit. So it's, you know, it's not for everybody. But for those of us that can make it work, it it can be an amazing, amazing position. I love that. To all of our viewers and listeners Steve I see you if you have any questions for this please in the chat ask any questions that you have of Lori she's so kind to be here and to support us now Lori you just dropped 
some serious gems around supporting beliefs, self-limiting beliefs. We know that mentorship, we know that connection and networking are critical. They're absolutely crucial to success in sales as well as success in life. Have you had any mentors that have had just a significant role in your career? in your journey and i'm gonna double up i'm gonna stack I, shame on me i know you're not supposed to stack questions but i'm a rebel what advice would you give to saleswomen on how they can seek those mentorship opportunities yeah i've had lots of mentors over my career and it's funny the very first mentor i think i chose was tony robbins and um he was big back in the 80s actually and um that's when he first started and you can have a mentor that doesn't know they're your mentor but i i listened to what he said because he was very much about supportive beliefs and what you say in your head that everything you need is within you and i i love that for i know he he got a little controversial in in re more recent years but you know he was one of my first role models so a you can pick anybody you want as a mentor. They don't have to know it. Um, but you can also work with someone that maybe in your company, maybe outside of your company. I think people outside of your company can be better mentors and and you know supporters of you, coaches, because um, you're not so connected to any politics that might be going on. Now, there's a sponsor role, which is someone within your company that can really speak about you when you're not in the room. And that's another important relationship to, to develop. You don't really ask someone to sponsor you, but you just start helping them out in some way, take an interest in them, even though they're in a, a more powerful position. And it might be a couple notches uh, or a notch above uh, your own boss, but find a way to be on a committee or help them out or, you know, do something where they take an interest in you in return. And they're going to think about you when they're in a private meeting and, that, and you're not invited to it. So ultimately, that's how people get promoted. Um, but just mentorship. I I've had male mentors, female mentors. The best thing, Larry, is if you have a specific thing in mind that you want to learn how to do, like finance, then I'm going to go to the finance head and I'm going to ask her or him, you know, can you teach me how to read, uh, you know, a profit and loss statement or tell me how financials work or tell me about what public companies use and, and the results that they post and and then learn that from that person. They're not here to teach you everything, but you, you can learn one thing and then help them in return. That's powerful, Lori. That, that is a serious mic drop moment right there as you talk about having mentors that they don't even know it, being able to give and serve others for sponsor relationships, being specific in terms of what you're seeking from a mentor. I'm curious. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. So Tony Robbins back in the 80s, yeah. he was your mentor, didn't even know it. In addition to Tony, who would you say has been your most impactful and or memorable mentor? I had 23 sales managers in my selling career, so it's hard to, to narrow down one. But I always say that some were awesome and some were awful. 
and one that there was one who was awesome that he came from IBM. His name was Al Martin. I don't know what happened to him, but he was he made an amazing impression on me in terms of my selling. But I would say in more recent years, my biggest one of my biggest mentors was Jill Conrath, and the other was Trish Bertuzzi. They they were both women who were successful who spoke up uh, about getting more women on main stages because it used to be a time 10 years ago when you wouldn't see women on a main stage at a sales conference or at a company uh, event. Women weren't brought in to speak. And there's some weird thing still that a lot of men think that if a woman writes a book about sales, that it's for women. Although men write books and we all read them. <laughs> so so there's this weird thing that we still have to overcome, um, but but both Jill and Trish were were big um, big mentors for me. That that is amazing, and want to give shout outs to Jill, to Trish, to Al Martin as well. Thank you so much for shouting them out, and thank you for passing that baton along. You talked about the 23, some awesome, some awful that you had. It sounds like you've learned a lot. And it sounds like you're, and I know you're passing those learnings on to the new generation, to the next line of folks that look up to you. They admire you. Oh, that's so commendable. Now, I'm going to take a little detour. I, I didn't plan on going there quite yet, but you talked about the power of sales books that are created uh, to represent. Tell us about She Sells, Attract, Promote, and Retain Great Women in B2B sales. What, what was the genesis behind your book? What's been your experience as an author? Yeah, thanks, Larry. That So that really is a tips book. It's very tactical. It was written for mostly men because it was written for sales managers and company leaders who are having trouble attracting, hiring, retaining women. Um, it the, the title, people look at the first two words and they think it's for all the women on their sales team. Now, women read it and they nod their head because they totally get it. But this is really to help leadership to hire better. And I would hope to get more copies into the hands of leaders in bigger companies where they have big sales teams and they have a lot of sales managers and they may not be, um, you know, as solid retaining women. Um, women, like you had asked me a while back about the differences, the things that women bring. I, I don't think I answered that. I would say that, you know, we have a little different learning style. We have a little different set of things that interest us. For example, more than men, women are concerned about the ethics of a company. Uh, more than men, women are concerned about their long-term professional development. We're looking down the road, like, would I be happy here in three years where a lot of men are not as interested in that. It's more about the offer and the location and, you know, what they're going to be doing, the title and things like that. Those don't interest women as much. So there are a lot of differences. And, um, and, and you know, up those frontline sales managers need to understand how, how to, to speak to women and really catch our attention and really support us. Wow. That's strong right there. That is super strong. Now, you're on the front lines. You're seeing it. What are some tactical things that organizations can do, sales organizations can do 
to improve, to better support, to promote, to, to really support their women in sales roles, what can they do? How can men be better advocates? Uh, we're wide open. We're all ears. We are listening. How can we do better? I would say, you know, every chapter in that book has a list at the end of it of, of tips and, and ideas. So that's a good resource. Um, also, uh, just, you know, stating that you're looking to build an inclusive sales team, let it be known on LinkedIn, let it be known in your company. Um, ask the women, some of my favorite male sales leaders will um, never think that they've done it all. They'll go to the women on their team and say, what am I missing? What can we do better? And, and no matter how much you think, well, we have women on our team, we're in good shape. Ask the women, you know, if things are working out well for them, if they plan to be, be there, you know, in the future, like, you know, what, it, what are we doing wrong? How can we improve? Those are things that would be really helpful for uh, company leaders to do. Keep checking, taking the pulse on on what what we're missing, what we can do better. Oh, I love it! And and here goes the link. You can find Lori's book on Amazon. Is Amazon the best place to pick yeah. up a copy of She Sells? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Now, now, now Lori, I, I see you out and about. You're active. You are active. I thought I was active. You are active. You're active, Larry. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with you. But talk to me. What What are you speaking about now? What's that hot topic that 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 you're out there and really spreading the good word about? Yeah, my my favorite topic to speak about is mindset and, and the mindset for success, and that's what I do some keynotes on and do some workshops around. So favorite is because that's a foundation for success in sales. If we don't have strong mindset, you know, we're just not going to be, it's going to wear us down. Too much rejection we're going to have to deal with. So that that's a favorite topic. I, I also speak to a number of companies about how to build more inclusive sales teams. And I work with um, women in sales organizations where we do an offsite. And we focus on, you know, making things even better and and also listening and getting feedback to leadership on that. So those are a few of the things I do. Um, tips and strategies for success, tactical skills. You know, those are all things I love talking about. Oh, I love it. And I'm sure you see the landscape is changing. Sales today, it doesn't look like sales yesterday and it's continuing to change. Being that you're out there, what are some of the trends that you're that you're seeing? What does that post look like? Whether it's AI and I am robot chat GPT, what are some of the trends, the hot trends that you're seeing out there? I know coming coming from being at inbound and then going to Dreamforce the next week, it was like all AI. That everybody wanted to talk about AI, and you know the fear that there, you know, people are going to be replaced and things like that, and. You know, the bad salespeople will be replaced for sure. And good thing, because we don't need bad salespeople in our profession. But the good good salespeople, the, the sellers who know how to use empathy, who have presence, who know how to listen and, and understand how to solve problems, those are the salespeople of the future. 
And those are the salespeople that will, will survive and thrive. So work on your human skills, you know, work on the skills to be better at helping people with problems because those are things AI is only going to do it technically and scientifically. Uh, data is great. We like data, but we need the, the art part of selling the, the soft skills, if you will. And the soft, the quote unquote soft skills are really those hard skills. You talked about the human element, the caring, the empathy, the listening, listen, so powerful, solving problems. Lori, you are dropping it like it's hot. I've got a couple more questions and then we're going to tie a bow on it. You talked about your early days as a sales professional single mother, work-life balance, because there's so many competing priorities. There's so many buckets of life. When you think about balancing work and personal life, it's challenging. How do you recommend people maintain a healthy balance, a healthy integration of their professional life along with their personal life? Yeah, healthy um, combination. I don't know if balance is a word. I don't know if I've ever been an example of balance. Um, I'll do more of one and then more of another, you know, more more home life, more work life, depending on on the the season or the time that that's what works for me. Um, But I would say, you know, single parents, male or female, if you're dealing with having to be home at a certain time, having to deal with kids, you're good at time management. You you have to become great at it. And if you don't have kids or if you're not a single parent, you can still take some of those traits that we do, which is, you know, I had to make use of every minute when I was in the office. I, I had to maximize my time. If I'm in, in a home office, I'm going to maximize my time and make every minute count. So I used to work with guys who would sit and practice their golf swing, you know, the putting green in the office and, you know, hang out after work and stuff. I couldn't, I could never do that, Larry. I had to, I had to leave at a certain time to, to do pickup, you know, and drop off. And, and there was, there was no exceptions for that. So I I would say, you know, look at what really productive people do, whether they're single parents or not and model that behavior that can help you, you know, just one tip can make you 10% more productive. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? So that I still have that learning mentality and I want to learn from the best. Oh, wow. Wow. The teacher is still learning. Uh, that, that's powerful. Now, this is my final question. I, I know that leaders are readers and I want to know in addition to the hot copy of She Sells. Are there any other books that you recommend? What what, what books? It sounds like it's hot. There's something hot going on. Everything okay? Yeah, I'm looking at the books. I'm looking on my bookshelf. (laughs) I'm gonna recommend books that women I know have written or added to. Um, Buyer First by Carol Mahoney. Do you know Carol? I know Um, of her. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, The Power of Value Selling, Julie Thomas. Um, Excellent book about selling. Um, The Ultimate Sales Machine, which is written years ago by a guy named um, Chet. Uh, Wait a minute. 
let me grab it here. Chet Holmes and his daughter Amanda took over his company when he passed away. And she's built this amazing company. You may or may not have heard about her. Turbocharge your business with relentless focus on 12 key strategies. And um, wow. Amanda Holmes, she's amazing and um, really built that business up. So those, those are a few. I mean, there's so many. I, I have books everywhere and I'm reading them all the time. I'm also reading some old school books and I'm going to be doing some blog posts about that. Uh, about the value of some of the older, you know, the sales hasn't really changed a lot, Larry, over time, as you probably know, people say, oh, we have this new role, this new thing. We're going to sell value now. <laughs> it's like, you know, people have been doing that for years. It's just called something different, packaged differently. But um, I'll be bringing out some of those OG books in the future. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Carol Mahoney, buyer first, Julie Thomas, Amanda and Chet Holmes, ultimate sales machine. Absolutely love it. Before we wrap, Lori, I think I, I saw you're a husky. Is that right? You dub? Oh, yeah. You dub. What do the huskies mean to you? Oh, man. Well, it's a great football year. That's for sure. <laughs> Enjoyed watching all their games. Um, I just, you know, I love Seattle. I love um, that school. It's, um, it's just a great place. I have a lot of friends who are, who went to the rival school, WSU. Um, but I love those folks too. And, uh, you know, it's all good when, when I can get back to Seattle and see some of them, it's, it's amazing. Wow. Lori, you are amazing. This chat has been so fulfilling. You just made not just my wonderful Wednesday, but you made my wonderful week. This has been a highlight. As I think about what you shared, you kicked us off with loving to help and serve people. Your journey, you've learned so much through your journey and you're sharing that with others. That entrepreneurial spirit going out and creating your own business, smile and dial. Oh, your goal, that vision that you have, we support you. 50% of seats, sales professionals, sales leaders being women. Oh my goodness. Talking about mentorship, talking about beliefs, talking about mindset, which I encourage you to keep sharing around the power of mindset. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. As we wrap, is there any parting shot, any last thing that you'd like to share with our listeners and our viewers, both live and those that will be tuning in to the recording? Yeah, I would say believe in yourself and, you know, you'll never go wrong. Also, I want to give a shout out to Monster Connect because they've been a, a good supporter of women's sales pros over the years. So, they're, they're a company that walks their talk. And, um, you know, thank you for that. Wow. Thank you so much, Lori. Uh, Steve said, great insights. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Larry. This has been, in the words of J.J. Walker, Dino Lie. And I encourage everyone, please connect with Lori, support Lori, check out her blog, check out her LinkedIn uh, profile. Make sure that you get connected. Oh, just an amazing person. I'm super excited. I'm leaving this energized. I'm leaving this conversation ready to conquer the world, ready to support women in sales. And I encourage folks, please, if you enjoyed this, come back next week. 
we're going to welcome the great Amelia Taylor, who's going to share her story, share her insights around cold calling, around sales, and around this four-letter word we call life. Lori, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart, wishing you all the best and continued success. Thank you, Larry. Take care now. We'll see everyone next Wednesday, November the 8th. Woo, time flies, I tell you. Bye for now. <laughs>